So sometimes the Christian life can feel like a long, long series of do's and don'ts. There's all the things we're supposed to do and all the things we're not supposed to do. And for many, that's exactly their picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You've got your long list of rules and you just got to keep those rules. And some of them seem to make sense to us. Maybe we think about God has ordered and designed the world in a particular way. And so not stealing makes sense. Not killing other people. We get that one. I'm glad God is against that. And then we come to today's words where Jesus says, don't worry. And you're like, oh man, just when I had it all figured out. Because, well, maybe it's not a problem for most of you, but sometimes I worry. Sometimes I worry about things, and then you go in this panic mode of like, wait, I'm worrying. I'm not supposed to worry. Now I'm worried about worry, and it's just a <laughs> cycle of disaster, isn't it? But so what is Jesus talking about here? Why is he telling us not to worry? Should I worry that I worry too much? And part of what we're doing here in this series on the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is inviting us into a different way of living, a new way of life. And this is what he's been doing all through this message we've been in for the past couple months in Matthew 5 through 7, where Jesus is painting a picture of life in the kingdom of God, life with King Jesus and what it looks like to live into this new world, this upside down kingdom. And he's saying, this is a whole different way of living. And so I want us to hear these words, just as we've heard all these other words, not as necessarily a command, but as an invitation. An invitation to see things differently. So let's turn to what he says. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What's Jesus talking about? I mean, why would he tell us not to worry? And I think what he's getting at is this sense of therefore. And realize when we have a therefore that there was something before it, Right? I've heard someone say, what's the therefore? And he's saying, therefore, and what did he talk about just before this? He talked about money and possessions. In the passage just before, he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he's been talking about treasures and possessions and what we do with those things and how those are all wrapped up and not putting too much stock in those, not putting our confidence in those. And really, this passage continues that same thought. He's addressing our relationship to all the things we have. Not just the money in our bank account or the money in our wallet, but our goods and our things. And here, really getting to the basics of life. The clothes we're wearing. The food we eat. And what he's getting at is, in some sense, that our possessions, all these things we have, can't be the be-all and end-all. It's really about a proper ordering of our relationships how we think about all these things. And it's an invitation to move away from being preoccupied with all of our stuff, with material things, and asking if we're wholehearted in our devotion to God. And in that context, he says, don't worry. So the first question you might ask, well, what is worry? When am I worrying and when is it something else? And I think it's good to differentiate maybe between worry and concern. I mean, Bobby was sharing a little bit a while ago with the kids and talking about that and gave the example of someone who's allergic to bees or wasps. Now, when that person sees a bee's nest, they're properly concerned because that's, a, that's not necessarily worry. That's a difference between those things. And there are proper times to be concerned 
when you're driving on an icy road and you're not wanting to slip, when you're making sure your door's locked when you leave. So what's the difference between those two? And I think James Bryan Smith phrases it well when he says this. He says, worry, worry is what we do after we have planned. I'm worried my technology is not liking me this morning. <laughs> worry is what we do after we have planned, prepared, and acted properly. When we continue to stew about something, we have crossed into the world of worry. Then he goes on, he says, worry is a disproportionate level of concern based on an inappropriate measure of fear. A disproportionate level of concern based on an inappropriate measure of fear. It's not to say there aren't things we should be concerned with, but worry is that sense of anxiety, that overwhelming thing. So when Jesus is talking about this, he's not saying food and clothing aren't important. Just a little while earlier, Jesus taught his followers to pray. And we said the prayer earlier. What do we say? Give us this day what? Our daily bread. So if Jesus says, don't be worried about food, and then he says, pray for food, what's he doing? He said, well, and so what he's getting at here is, is our concern, our worry about food and clothing disproportionate to our life. And so I think as he gets into this, and we'll think about that, is are there people, if people are starving, is Jesus, well, don't worry about food. No, that's not who he's talking to. It's about a disproportionate level. He's speaking to priorities. And he's saying that life is more than food or clothing. Notice the words he says, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He's saying there's more to it than this. And so Jesus is speaking to trusting God, trusting God in the ordinary, but at the same time, keeping our eyes on his kingdom. And so then he goes on and he gives two, illustra- two illustrations, one with birds and one for flower- with flowers. And so he goes on in chapter 6, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying the birds don't have an anxiety about day to day. But many of you know, I know, have bird feeders or you watch the birds out in the yard. Do they sit there and just kind of put their mouths open and watch for food to drop in? I mean, they're busy out there working, aren't they? They're pecking away at the ground. They're they're working and they're hunting for food and they're gathering. But there's not an anxiety. And what Jesus is getting at, he said, He says, God cares about them. And this is where he argues kind of from the lesser to the greater. He said, God is concerned. The birds are out there and they're not anxious. They're not worried. They're just out there doing their thing and they're finding the food. And Jesus is saying, God's concerned about the birds. And if God is concerned about all those birds out there, those little tiny birds in all of their lives, How much more is he not concerned about you? He's reminding us, he's saying, reminding us that God cares for us. And sometimes we think of us, well, I don't know if God remembers. And he's saying, look, God is worried about those birds. God is taking care of them. Aren't you worth more than them? And then he asks a practical question. He says, can any one of you, by worrying, 
add a single hour to your life. Anybody extended their life by worrying? We've probably done the opposite, haven't we? Probably shortened our life by worrying. And so he's making the point that if nothing else, worry doesn't do you any good. Of course, that doesn't stop us from doing it, does it? But we continue. He's just making this practical point. One, he said, look, God cares about the birds, and he cares that much more about you. And not only that, worrying doesn't help you at all. And what is worry? Worry is the result of believing a false story because why do we worry? In some sense, we begin to worry and we think that by worrying, sometime, somehow we'll change the circumstances. I mean, if my children are off and they're, I know they're hours away and they're driving down the road and I'm worrying about them, is that going to protect them on the road? Not at all. But somehow I might think, well, they get to the other end safely. It's, like, oh, it's because I worried so much. That's why they made it. but it doesn't work like that. And so that's the point. We, we sometimes go under this false narrative that if we just worry enough, it will change things. It won't. And so then he gives another picture. And he says, why do you worry about clothes? And he says, see how the fields, flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. You go out to your garden or to Meyer Gardens, just drive by and see the fields of flowers. And you think, no designer, no Versace, no Gucci, no one has ever made clothing as beautiful as the flowers of the field. He said, not even Solomon in all his splendor. Solomon, the great king who was dressed in robes with gold and purple and velvet and all these fancy decorations, nothing could stand up to flowers. Nothing can match those beauties, but the thing about flowers, they don't last. He said, that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So he's kind of making this same argument. He says, God does that for the flowers. Or right now, we look, we look at the leaves on the trees. And the beauty with which God clothes the leaves and the trees and reds, and golds. And we just know that, what, in a week or two, they'll all be gone. Well, they won't be gone. They'll be piled on our yard to rake, right? But <laughs> the beauty of the trees will be gone in some sense. And if God is concerned to make those trees beautiful for just a week or two, if God can make them that way, is he not more concerned for you? And so it's this theology, it's this way of looking at nature and realizing that in the world around us, we can see God's care and his providence. And so what Jesus is getting at is a continued teaching on trust. He's inviting us to trust in God and keep our focus on him. To believe in a God who is generous, who says there is more than enough. And then in case we missed it, he goes back and he says, so don't worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And he goes on, he says, one of the reasons not to do it is because if you do that, you'll be like the unbelievers. He says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So what is Jesus getting at? He's getting at trust. Do we trust solely in ourselves or do we trust in him? 
Are we excessively anxious about physical things? About the clothes we're wearing and the food we're doing? We remember that definition of worry. It's an over-concern about these things. But Jesus isn't suggesting that God is just going to drop. We heard the story from Exodus. We think, oh, God did this miraculous feeding. He does that. Sometimes he does things differently. But in the context that what was the people were worried, they were concerned. And God said, why are you worried? And he demonstrated that he could provide. And so he was reminding them. And in that story, the people of God have come out of slavery in Egypt. And they're complaining and they're saying, oh, we don't have any food to eat. Boy, it was so much better when we were back being enslaved. And we had pots of meat and all kinds of wonderful things. And they start to grumble and grumble and grumble. And God says, look, I'm going to give you food. But notice how he does it. He provided food for a day. And they were out there and they had to collect the food up. And if they hoarded the food, the next day when they opened it up, it was rotted. And it was, again, it was a call to trust. Was it a miraculous thing? Yes, when your cupboards are empty, God might not rain down food from the sky. But he's inviting you into that same story that he tells throughout the scripture of a God who provides for his people. And that we're called to trust in him and not be anxious. He says, remember the birds, they work. They're working and they're anxious, but they're not anxious about it. And so then Jesus reorients us. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so in some sense, what Jesus is saying is that instead of concern for food, instead of worrying about our clothes, instead of worrying and feel being filled with anxiety, he's saying, seek the kingdom. Enter into the story of Jesus. Live under him and live under in conformity to his will. To be focused on Jesus and what he is calling you to do in the ordinary. To make the reality of the kingdom and the principles of the kingdom our first priority. To look to God and say, what's God doing? He's teaching us how to love him and to love others. And so again, I'm going to go back to a quote from James Bryan Smith where he talks about this and about the necessity of keeping our eyes on the kingdom. This is what he says. He says, our wins and our losses don't define us. Who we are that is indwelt by Christ and where we live in the kingdom of God defines our lives. And so when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, that's what he's doing. He's saying, focus on that because that's what defines us. That's what reminds us who we are. And so that's what causes us not to be anxious because we're reminded that we live in this kingdom of God. As Dallas Willard says, a perfectly safe place to be. Or as James Bryan Smith has in another quote, he says, I'm a child of God, one in whom Christ dwells. And I'm living in the unshakable kingdom of God. And he's, when he's saying, seek first his kingdom, when we keep our eyes on God, the king, and his kingdom, and all that he's doing, and in some sense, he said, when we're reminded of that, we have no need to worry, no need to fear. Because God is reigning, God is ruling, and God cares about you. Because sometimes that's what happens when we start to get anxious, we start to worry, we say, well, I don't know. And we're reminded, but God cares. And so we trust. And then he goes back one more time in case we've missed it. He says, therefore, do not worry. Obviously, he said it, what, three, four times now. Don't worry, don't worry, don't, because there's a tendency. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then Jesus comes with the truth, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Absolutely, right? We can get a big amen to that one, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so there's kind of this irony, this humor that he has. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. You see, you got enough to worry about today. And in some sense, what Jesus is doing, he's being realistic. Jesus isn't pie in the sky. Jesus isn't imagining that, oh, nobody ever has any troubles. He says it right here. He says to us what? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And what he's calling us to do is, he says, to trust in God. And he's inviting us to that trust even when it's tough. So all these times when he's been talking about trusting in God, he's acknowledging, hey, each day has plenty of trouble. Each day has all kinds of things. But the invitation from God is to trust in him. That we can trust him even on the days when things seem completely out of control. Even when the world is spinning and in chaos, we can trust him. And part of what Jesus is saying is when these challenges happen, when things seem out of control and in chaos, it doesn't mean we've fallen out of God's care. It doesn't mean he's not noticing. It doesn't mean we're not in his love. And so that's really the good news we're proclaiming today. And so I started off by saying that sometimes the Bible, sometimes Christianity, sometimes following Jesus feels like a long list of do's and don'ts. And as a pastor, as a preacher, it's easy and it's tempting, and I too often do that. And for all of us as readers of Scripture, it's tempting to do that, to always see God as demanding of us and calling us to do things. But what we are invited to do is to see God's message, God's word to us through Jesus is an invitation and a proclamation. We talk about the good news of Jesus. Talked about the good news of Jesus going to kids around the world. We talk about the gospel, the good news. And the good news is first and foremost, not something to do, but a proclamation, an announcement of what God is doing in the world. And so while Jesus is calling us to not worry, it's also an invitation and it's an announcement. It's a proclamation of who God is. And so what I want us to do is to leave here and remember who God is. Don't leave here with another thing on your list to do. Don't leave here with another thing to worry about. Don't leave here worrying that you're worrying too much. But instead, leave here with the good news that God is a good and generous God. That God is a God who provides for the world around us. That he provides for the birds. That he provides for the flowers and clothes them in beauty and splendor and wonder. And if God cares about them, how much more does he care for all of us? So as you drive back to your home today, as you head wherever you're going and you're driving down the road and you're seeing the wonder and the beauty of the fall colors, as you're seeing the birds or maybe the turkeys crossing the road and you say, God takes care of them. And if he takes care of that stupid turkey that's blocking the road, how much more will he not take care of me? So he invites us to be less anxious and less worried. Not as a command, but an invitation because he's inviting us to remember that God is good and generous and that he cares for us more than we can ever imagine. That he will do in the words of Paul, that he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine. 
And so may that reminder of God's goodness, of God's generosity, of God's grace and God's care, may that good news to us free us from worry and free us from anxiety. May we experience his goodness and his generosity today. Amen.